Welcome to Revitalize and Restart, a podcast dedicated to the discussion of church revitalization, restart, and renewal. We invite you to listen as a host and some of the best practitioners in the field of church revitalization and restart discuss issues facing the church in America. And now, here is your host, Dr. Steve Sells, author, conference speaker, and president of Operation Transformation. Welcome to another installment of the Revitalize and Restart uh, podcast, the Ministry of Operation Transformation, Church Revitalization Group out of Salisbury, North Carolina. I'm Steve Sales, your host, and uh, today's guest is Dr. Tom Cheney. Uh, Dr. Cheney is the founder and the directional leader of Renovate National Church Revitalization Conferences and the Renovate Group. And man, we really appreciate him. He's the editor of the Church Revitalizer uh, online uh, uh, magazine, of which I get the privilege to write for some. And I really appreciate Dr. Cheney. Welcome to our podcast, Dr. Cheney. We're honored to have you with us. Well, let's just say Tom from the rest of this way, if that okay. would be all right. All right. Uh, but it is always good to be with you, Steve. And and I'm bragging that it's nice and warm down here while you're up in Salisbury in cold weather. And, uh, you know, maybe you should have come down here and we could have done it live, bud. But anyway. That would have been nice. <laughs> that would have been nice. And it's great always being with you, Steve, whether it is, uh, you know, revitalized conferences which you lead or whether it is being with you at other times as Renovate, one of our speakers at Renovate. Um, and we thank you so much for your contribution to the Church of Idolizer magazine that goes out to so many people of all different denominations that, you know, you're making an impact. And, you know, you're part of a, uh, just a great wave. You're co-author with me and, uh, you know, Life After Death, you know, book. So um, just always fun to be with you, dear friend. Well, thank you so much, brother. Today, I want to talk about your your new book. You 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 write a book about a month, about every month, I think. But your new book's coming out, and I want you to talk to us about that latest book. Tell us the title of it and uh, what it's all about. Well, I just happened to have a copy in my uh, hand. <laughs> uh, it is your first 120 days in church revitalization and renewal, and it's now out in not only Kindle but it's out in printed form. You can get that looking up my name, Tom Cheney, at Amazon uh, Books, or you can just type in, you know, your first 120 days in church revitalization renewal. Uh, if you type in my name, you'll get to see all the books that uh, I've had a part of in, in revitalization and, and renewal. And, um, and be praying for the, I'm working on a new one right now, working on two new ones right now, um, and just be praying uh, for that. And, you know, Renovate and Renovate Group, we... Uh, by us owning our publishing house, we print pastors and church leaders and denominational leaders all across the nation uh, that are writing on revitalization. And, and that's what Renovate books are all, all about is, you know, you can't miss going to, you know, Renovate conference um, or Renovate publishing and, and see all, all the different things there. So anyway, so let me tell you about how the book came about. Okay. It came about that um, people were saying, you know, uh, I, I do these boot camps, Steve, and um, where uh, four to five people per church come in uh, to uh, basically 
uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday to noon uh, boot camp in revitalization. And we work on not only what will, we help them build their first 1,000 day strategy, three years investment. But we really emphasize coming out of the shoot on their first 120 days because if they don't come out of their first 120 days well, there's no chance. So, you know, the, the book is designed for pastors and local church uh, leaders um, and local churches, which are just getting started uh, in the revitalization process and effort. And within the book, within the chapters are, um, you know, are the very beginnings that every church revitalizer, every church, uh, uh, every church who's working in renewal must take uh, in order to achieve it. And there's things like uh, planning, there's things like rich, the developing and deciding, assessing whether your church is ready, uh, you know, what we call church readiness. There's uh, consensus building, um, because you can't revitalize just because you want to do it as a leader. Mm, you got to yeah. bring the people with you. There's team development uh, materials there to help you work on that team that's going to come right alongside you as the revitalizer. There's community assessment. Um, we spent a lot of time on two huge issues, generating buy-in from your members. Yeah. And the other one is avoiding procrastination. <laughs> so many guys wait too long to pull the trigger. You and I talked about this forever. Oh, yes. You know, wait too long to pull the tr trigger. Um, and so we begin talking about developing the laity in renewal, some factors that will hurt you, impede your effort. Uh, and then I'll tell you the best thing about this book. And, um, and of course, you know, I always think the next book is going to be the best, but the best thing about this book is we actually gave you um, a template um, of, you know, starting on day one and going all the way to day 120, things that you could do to begin to bring about renewal. And, right. and it's kind of a template. People will, you know, rework it a little, I'm sure, but it's designed so that we say uh, in re in revitalizing a church, do something every day, almost anything. Now, I don't mean like, you know, I'm going to go to the beach as one of those things or, or go to the mountains. But but if you will do one piece at least every single day, you'll be amazed at the end of 120 days. And you'll be amazed at a thousand days, which is, you know, what I talk about. If you're going to get in revitalization, it's a minimal investment of a thousand days. Wow. Um, you know, it's wow. three years. If you're not going to give it at least three years, don't get in it. It's three to five realistically, but you'll see significant signs in, in three years. So that's all part of this, you know, book that serves as your guide yeah. uh, in revitalization for the first 120 days. Well, I, I like the title because uh, that, oh, that, that, 120, that 120 days is, is, is really vital. Uh, as a church revitalizer, if if you don't get the thing kicked off out of the chute like it ought to be, uh, you're dead in the water. And well, Stevie, it, you know this, that that first four months, mm -hmm. uh, you got to be building all those things I just talked about, so that the four month mark, you can have this big church wide. We're in this together. What's our strengths? What's our weaknesses? Begin to make some impact, but you got to lay the groundwork, and it takes about 120 days. Yeah. Well, this is a book for for uh, uh, a pastor or church revitalizers that really want to make a difference. Um, why is it, why is the book, why would you say the book is so important 
uh, to the revitalizer and to revitalizing the church? Well, the way the church revitalizer, and you know, we talk about the pastor who is the revitalization leader of a church. We, we call him the church revitalizer. Uh, and the way the revitalizer, his initial efforts toward renewal, uh, it takes incredibly bold leadership and incredibly effective planning. And the revitalization leader who spends his first 120 days well um, is, is important. In declining churches, those that don't spend their first 120 days getting ready and doing the things necessary for the advancement of renewal, they seem to tank. So it is amazing what can be accomplished, Steve, in uh, the initial four months of, of the revitalization ministry, the revitalization project, and you know how you begin your journey in renewal and revitalization is important because if you're leading your church into revitalization and through revitalization, you will need to invest, like I said, a minimum of a thousand days. But the key kicker is that first beginning time. And, you know, you bring to uh, the revitalization effort you as, as the leader, one who can take charge, one who can stand boldly, one who kneels uh, daily to the Lord in prayer, builds a team carefully, sets new direction. And that's the key, sets mm -hmm. a new direction toward health and works toward what I call tiny wins immediately. You know, there's going to be great wins at the end of three years, but you got to start with some little, what I call, get some little pocket full of change, you know, as, as you begin. Um, and most church revitalizers, Steve, who make little to no impact uh, at the beginning, find it hard to rally the church. If they squander, a lot of guys say, well, I'm not going to do anything for the first six months. Well, probably by year, uh, by month 12, they're going to be getting rid of you. So, um, you know, you can sit around and do nothing, um, and they're going to let go of you, or you can sit around and start doing something, and they're going to commend you for that. Because your job is to rally, um, you know, rally the, the organization or rally the church towards the project. And, um, you know, your, your months are like a tornado. Um, I know there's been bad weather up and all that, but it, it's a it's a perfect example that, that your months are a lot like a, a tornado. That you know they're tumultuous even on the good days in revitalization, and they're cyclonic on the you know cyclonic on, on the bad ones. And it takes about 120 days to begin to adjust the sails, begin to adjust everything. You know, uh, lay the groundwork and. Um, you know, and that there's there's so much in there's a chapter literally on on this area, um, and you know I, I can't teach the whole chapter, but um, but it is a good reminder that what worked 50 years ago probably isn't going to work today. Yeah. You yeah. can hear a whole lot more on that, um, and some churches need to let go uh, of you know what they've done in the past so they can move into a you know an incredible future, and they got to learn the community's new culture because community's culture changes all the time. And you got to look at your church's culture and does it match in a way to be, to attract people in that, that community. So, um, and while you're doing that, you got to have a harmonious redesign that everybody wants to buy into. So, so that that's, a be big, that's a big task. That's a big order right there, but it's, it's, it's necessary. It's necessary. This is a guide. I, yeah. I tell guys who I said, uh, read chapter one 
uh, have each one of your deacons or church leaders and your revitalization team read chapter one and discuss it together. Read chapter two next month and, you know, it'll give you the journey. There you go. There you go. Well, yeah, you know, you and I talk a lot about what's happening in churches and especially pastors uh, and, and uh, oftentimes uh, churches don't get revitalized because of the bad habits of the pastor and the pastoral leadership in the church. You have a you have one uh, chapter that's titled "The Number One Habit That Keeps You From Revitalizing Your Church." Tell us about that one habit. I know a lot of them, but I know there's probably one main one that really will uh, slow things down. You know, I almost don't want to talk about this because. <laughs> Uh, once I give it to them, because it is so much, if you're that person, you're never going to buy the book. Yeah. But the number one habit that keeps most pastors that are trying to revitalize the church from revitalizing the church is one single word, procrastination. Oh, yeah. And, oh, you know, and here's why. Revitalization, Steve, you know this. We've known each other forever. You know, in fact, I'll tell the audience. You were one of the first guys I ever trained. Oh, gosh, I had hair back then. You know, it's, yep. uh, and yours wasn't quite as uh, gray as it is now. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but one of, you know, revitalization is a layering endeavor. You begin a little bit and then you put another piece on it and another piece on it, you know, and you got to do something every single day in renewal. Um, and I call those little nudges. It's a series of, of tiny nudges. Uh, until the ground is cultivated wisely and ready for uh, what, I, what I would call the initiation uh, of the revitalization process. And, um, you know, this is the stage where, you know, effort is required and pra- procrastination results in installed efforts. And I always say this, you know, this is me in college. Hi, I am Tom, and I am a formerly world-class procrastinator. And, you know, that was my mantra in college. I waited stupidly. I waited until usually the night before a paper was due, and then I pulled the glorious all-niner and have it done. And, you know, I mean, it was a good paper, but I learned before I got to seminary, if I was going to survive, I had to work a little further out there, you know. And, you know, I come to realize back in college that if I didn't, um, you know, if I didn't change that, I wasn't going to finish college. And, Sometimes that's the same way it is with pastors in revitalization. And, uh, it, you know, revitalization is usually, I would probably say the top habit, but I would at least give uh, qualified as one of the top habits um, that keeps a lot of church revitalization leaders from uh, being able to revitalize and, and renew their church. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and I don't want to dog everybody if they're listening at that's it. Be fair. Steve, every one of us, you and me, even though we're pretty proactive, we still have days where we're procrastinators. We all have that at times, but we just can't let it be a long-term habit, an everyday habit. And, you know, um, and procrastination is one of those things that is a barrier blocking a leader from really uh, getting up, making the right decision, doing the right things, and actually achieving his dream of yeah. revitalizing that that local church. And when you procrastinate and when you waste time, um, you, uh, you could be investing in something meaningful to bring the church to renewal. It will eventually 
hurt you. And uh, now I have something that works well for me. I have what's called, uh, you know, procrastination days. They're using my day off. And, you know, Steve, I'm always writing. And, and you, you know, your joke is, you know, um, that I write a book every month. Well, you know, two to three a year, but I'm always writing. There, there's seldom a day because I'm a writer. You know, I don't have any real desire to be an author, even though I've done it 42 times, 43 times. This is 43. But, you know, I don't have any desire to be an author. I have a desire to write. Uh, yeah. uh, and in the midst of that, you know, if I was hesitating, hesitating and vacillating and all that, I wouldn't get my work done. And same thing's true with pastors. When we do those type of things, when we coast, you can't coast in revitalization. You got to be at it because time is limited. And, and to be real transparent with the, those listening, if you are a pastor beginning revitalization and you haven't made beginning to make significant um, advancement by month 18, by month 24, they're going to be complaining and all over you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even though you're only at month 18, you're only halfway through, there should be telltale signs <clears throat> of things, things happening. And, um, but, but I don't want people to think procrastination, Steve, is laziness, because it's not. You know, I know a lot of lazy people. You know, um, procrastination is just not getting to the, the real thing. Yeah. You know, um, you know, we got a, a wise revitalizer knows the difference between, you know, um, having a lazy day and having a day where you're just consistently a procrastinator. Um, so there's a whole chapter in there. Mm. Uh, a lot of people, people tell me they buy the book just because of that, you know, that chapter. One chapter. Well, you and I both know that that, uh, it's amazing. I mean, every church revitalizer will, will totally agree with you that that is the number one bad habit that pastors have in trying to bring their churches uh, to, to a renewal time. Well, part of that is because there's not a lot of people watching them now. The, yeah. the church is smaller. There's probably very little staff, if any. So mm-hmm. there's nobody there to see when the guy's being a procrastinator. Right, right, right. And it's easy to put things off that you don't really enjoy doing, <laughs> you know. It yeah. sure is. That's right. We, just a few minutes ago, we were talking, and you mentioned uh, the, the concept of buy-in. And... Uh, uh, talk to us a little bit about that, because it is very important that a church revitalizer understand what it is to generate buy-in uh, through the process to get people doing what needs to be done. To talk with us a little bit about that. Yeah, and that's another chapter. I think it's right before, um, it's either right before or right after in the book, but generating buy-in as a church revitalizer. And and that is so important because, see, there are people who might call you to, to that church to revitalize it, and they may be the search team, and they say, we need you to save our church. But the rank and file, at that point, don't really give a rip. You know, they haven't really thought about, do they want to save the church? In fact, there are some people within the fellowship, Steve, that their motto is, the last one alive, turn the lights off. Yeah. You know, um, and so if you're going to turn around a church that has that inbred, it's all about me type type thing, um, you're going to have to begin to uh, generate buy-in. I, I love what John Maxwell used to say years, years ago. He said, you got to do the meetings before the meeting, you know, type, type thing. And, you know, he would go out to Claude and, and talk to uh, just a wonderful leader in his church. And 
he'd hear what Claude had to say and he would, you know, listen to him and, you know, Claude would chew about it and think about it and all that. And eventually Claude liked the idea so much, Claude was the one that brought it up. And if Claude brought it up, everybody was, you know, you of course. Um, and, you know, that's part of what we're talking about in buy-in. Within every fellowship, there's some legitimizers. There are some people that have invested well in serving the Lord in that church. People that are well thought of in that church. Now, there's some people that aren't well thought of, but these are those that are well thought of. And you got to begin to develop a vision and a series of plans, action plans, for the launching of revitalization, the moving toward renewal in your church. And the very first thing you got to do is begin initially by, by finding uh, at least five to seven committed people. Don't ask for volunteers. Mm-hmm. Go find them right. that would be willing to serve on your revitalization team. And they would be not only confidants, they would be give you their insight, their history, their thoughts, their actions, and all that. You know, um, but you, when you think about your first 120 days, you can't be out there by yourself. You got to start bringing those along with you. Um, and I think this is one of the key things that's missing in so many seminaries. They never teach pastors how to generate buy-in from the membership and how, you know, part of it is being able to tell your story over and over and over towards renewal that people say, I like that. I buy into that. I can be part, be part of that. But here's another piece. It's not only telling the story, it's going to those people who might not agree with you and listening to what they say, because they, they, all they may care is that you heard them. They may not care that you do what they say. Yeah. They, a lot of times, they just want to make sure that you, you've heard them. And, uh, uh, you know, it, it, a lot of pastors have just never been trained, and um, they don't know how to generate buy-in. So we we spend a lot of time really talking to them in the book about, you know, buy-in. And, and I define that as an agreement to join the effort. Yeah. You, know, you get people to jump on board on renewal, even though uh, those who are agreeing to the idea did not create the idea initially, they are buying into the idea of renewal and jumping, yeah. jumping on board. Um, and buy-in is indispensable. You know, um, it is an indispensable emotional agreement uh, ingredient is what how I would say that that for any cooperative revitalizer to have. If yeah. he doesn't have it, now's not the time. He must get that first. And, you know, I know people oppose change, but if you slowly work toward buy-in, it will make all the difference in the world, yeah. even uh, because you first heard them and you have a plan, and it seems to, you know, you prayerfully have God's plan, um, you know, and if you're a top-down leader, you get in trouble in this area. If you are like a high D type leader who calls out commands and barks orders and all that, um, it's hard for that type of guy to really be an effective revitalizer. Uh, I always say in the disc, you know, I look for eyes, influencers, because influencers have a great way to bring everybody together and move them together. Um, and the reality is, you know, you can't turn a church around unless you get by. You just can't turn That's a church right. around. And But there's a huge chapter on that uh, in that. And I, I think pastors would be well to, to really uh, look at that. But it takes time just yeah. to hear that. It yeah. takes time, you know. Well, one, one, one man in a church, one person in a church, 
will never change the course of that church. No. Uh, it has to be buy-in. And, you know, a lot of uh, you, you just talked about the top-down leader. A lot of times I run into that as a church revitalizer. The pastor himself thinks he can make all the changes. And, uh, you know, you do that, you may end up not having a pulpit and to, no. to, to even try to change. The number well, of times I've run into that, you've run into it. Yeah. You know, it's just amazing. They just, they're blind to that for some reason. Right. Well, the conclusion of any book is always really the most important part of it, I think. It draws it all together. Now, in this book that you've just written, um, you have an interesting conclusion. Uh, Probably one of the most interesting conclusions has ever been written in a book. So talk to us a little bit. What have you done with the conclusion in this book that will really, really, really help uh, in this thing of church revitalization? Well, it is so different. I can tell you out of my 43 books, I've never written anything with this type of conclusion. I, I dear two to your friends, you know them both, uh, Dr. Terry Riles and Dr. Jim Grant, fellow church revitalizers, one's in Galveston, one's in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one day we're talking and, um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking through this idea of uh, what people ask me all the time is give me a roadmap for 120 days. And uh, so I began to think about, okay, um, I could write that as a chapter, but but there's nothing to say after I say that. So why not write it as a conclusion? Mm-hmm. And, so, and conclusions are just written like chapters. It just says conclusion on top uh, in, in so many ways. And, um, and same thing with introductions where introduction sets the table the conclusion wraps it up. So I started thinking about, you know, the conclusion and, you know, and the title of the conclusion is your 120 daily nudges to begin church revitalization and renewal. And here's what I found in the realm of revitalization renewal. Everybody at one time or another just needs a little nudge. You need a little push. I need a little push. Sometimes it's just a simple prodding. Get going, Tom, get going, Steve. At times, it takes a little bit of elbowing to, um, you know, to get the person back in the game. And, and a gentle push sometimes is that nudge is what I'm talking about. And, you know, and I, I developed what I call 120 gentle nudges, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in there. Uh, and, uh, in, you know, when you think about nudging, uh, remember when your parents uh, would give you a nudge? Steve, have you done your homework? And that was kind of like a, you know, our mom would come, my mom would come into my room and she'd say, you know, maybe not so gently, but she'd say, look at this mess. And I would say, (laughs) everything's right where I put it, you know, which didn't go over well with her. But it was her nudge to say, clean up this messy room. And I wanted to tell her, you know, I have a twin brother. If she wants to see a clean room, go to the other uh, end of the hallway because that's where Bill's room is. And, you know, and she could see a cleaner room, but she never liked that, you know. Uh, But either way, they were a gentle nudge. Get moving. And churches that are uh, falling back into becoming legacy churches often use a nudge in a similar way. And and I'll just give you my quick quick acrostic. and, and I'm not going to give you any of the 120, but I will tell you how to create your nudges uh, type thing. My across, so just think N-U-D-G-E. Uh, the first thing you do in a nudge is you, you, know, you begin to think of new things you have not previously tried. 
Because if you do what you've always done, you will get what you've always gotten. And a lot of people think if they just do what they're doing now harder and work better at it, it will bring different results. It won't. No, it it just won't. So that's the end. The U is uniting activities that bring people together. There is some separation going on in those congregations. There are people that are on the fence. There are some people who crossed over to the other side of the fence. And there's some people right there in the midst trying to save the church. Mm-hmm. And you got to begin to develop these uniting activities that I ran into a church, you know, uh, years ago that, um, you know, w- what happened before something bad happened, I come in following a bad situation to revitalize the church. And one of the gentle uniting activities is we just started having more fellowships. You know, we, we ate together, we laughed together, you know, we had ice cream together, you know, things like that, um, because that's what was needed to begin to change the, oh, poor me, and you know, type thing. Right. The B in nudge is begin developing discipleship groups. They need to be emphasized. Whether you are a Sunday school-based church or a home group-based church, I, you know, I, it both work. So I'm not, but you need to begin to develop discipleship groups because a lot of times what happens is they didn't have any of that. And when uh, bad things happen, there's no concreteness. There's no, you know, sol- solidarity there. And those groups are are those type of things. The, the G and nudge would be... Um, begin to emphasize gentle plans that develop a new day and a new direction. Uh You can't yell out, get behind me. Here's where we're going. (laughs) But if you keep doing it, eventually, you know, um, I'll never forget. uh, Jerry Vine said a long, long time ago when I was a preacher boy in college, he said, if you just act like the leader when you go into your church and just keep leading, sooner or later, everybody else will catch on. Um, and that's a good, you know, that's a really good point. Gentle plans that demonstrate a new day and direction. And then the E, you know, we would be remiss if we didn't say evangelistic projects yeah. and evangelistic events designed yeah. to reach and reconnect to your community. That's great. Uh, so that's the nudge list now. But uh, can I g- just talk to you a little bit about how to create nudge, uh, you know, nudges, you know. Um, see, nudges send a, com- uh, a message to the community. Not only are there nudges to say it's a new day here in the church, but you want to develop nudges that, you know, send a new message, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of people haven't thought about what would their nudge list look like? What would their process of revival, what would those little things for 120 days be? Um, you know, um, and, and at the beginning of the book and in the introduction, I say, you know, you got to do something almost every day, at least something. And, you know, um, and, but you have to really be thinking about things that are worthy of, of, on that list, you know, um, and I would encourage those listening to begin thinking on a pad of paper and write down the numbers 120 and think, what would those 120 things be? You know, um, what I have in the back of the book as the conclusion, most people across the nation have said, thank you um, for it. In fact, you know, um, but, but here's the point in the list. 
It's something that every day, whether you it's a, a Sunday, which is a big day, or whether it is other days, you're doing something every single day. And do not squander. Hear me, church revitalizer. Hear me, pastor leading in revitalization. Do not squander your first four months mm. as the leader. Diligent work during the initial portion along the way. And and you can do this, Pastor. You, you can do this, and it will be probably one of the most um, rewarding things that you can ever do in your ministry. Yeah. Imagine being used of the Lord to save a declining church, saving a dying church, to bring it back to glorious health mm. and glorious vitality. Mm. It's heady stuff. And know that we as the Church Revitalization, uh, you know, Renovate Group, uh, we're here to help. Uh, Operation Transformation is here to help. And I would just say my parting words would be press onward, lead upward, and be a blessing to that church. Amen. Amen. Well, our time is almost gone. Share with our audience uh, one more time how they can get a copy of this book, where they can contact you. Well, they can uh, first... You can uh, go to Amazon.com and either type in my name, Tom Chaney, C-H-E-Y-N-E-Y, or you can just type in your first 120 days in Church Revitalization and Renewal. Uh, If you can't remember any of that, if you type in Church Revitalization, eventually uh, you'll see this book uh, as long as other writers and stuff, but you can go there and and get this book. Uh, If you'd like to talk to me, you can email me. And by the way, don't send me this big manuscript that I got to type. Uh, give me your phone number because I, I get uh, over 800 emails a day and I don't have time to write you a manuscript uh, mm-hmm. because if I did that, I would never be writing books. Um, but um, if you will email me at tom at renovateconference.org, tom at renovateconference.org, I, I would be glad to see what you have to say. If you give me the phone number and I can answer it, Usually when I'm riding, driving around town, riding from one meeting to another meeting, you know, I have 20 minutes here and 20 minutes there. That's usually where I answer these questions all, all the time. And I'd be glad to do it. And people are always shocked when I, they answer the phone and I say, it's Tom Cheney from Renovate uh, Conference. And they're like, oh, wow, that was, you know, so I, I'll be glad to do it and would love to do it. And Steve, I want to thank you for letting me be part of your uh, thing today. Thank you so much for being with us today. For those of you who are listening to the podcast, remember to let us know you're listening, and we hope you'll join uh, again soon. Be sure to like the podcast, subscribe, so that uh, you'll know every time we post a new one. Uh, This is uh, Steve Sells saying thank you for listening, and my prayer is that something we do or say will help you help his church. God bless you. Thank you. God bless Thanks for joining us for Revitalize and Restart. Make sure to visit our website, www.operation-transformation.org, and subscribe to our show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Don't forget to join us next time, and again, thanks for listening.